Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Okay, so like day two here, Big Seal sitting in here on the middle here. I had Harry Mays yesterday, the non-player, and now I'm in with <laughs> one of my guys here now, and I'm sitting in here with Barrett Brooks. Big Seal's now second day filling in here on the middle, man. I love it when you and I get a chance to sit and go back and forth and ping pong stuff because, you, you, you know, Barrett, we were just telling stories about, you know, the, the situation on the sidelines with, Washington the other night, you like, man, nobody puts fingers on this and that. I, lo- I, lo- I love just taking people behind the curtains. That's kind of what we do. Hey, Seals, man, look at it, man. I mean, his mama's probably watching the game. His mama <laughs> saw him get poked in the head like that. Come on, man. In front of everybody, you all in front of company, you going to poke me in front of company like that, bro? Bro, in the hey. locker room, it had been chairs moving everywhere, Oof. furniture moving. Oh, hey, how bad would that have looked in the locker room, man? That man. would have been a fiasco. You, you don't do that, man. You just don't do You don't try a man's manhood like that. That's, that's 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 totally out of order, man. And I think the only reason why I didn't, like, like we talked about, is because they go way back. Yeah. They're both Alabama boys. Got drafted a year apart. Same team. And, uh, bruh, that's, you know, that. And, and, and then, what you know, what you say about the head coach, man, Rivera? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let hey, it be. Yeah. Hey, th- these guys will figure it out. All right. Hey, I think we got to start the show off with, you know, the news last night in the passing of John Madden. And I think it's important to know that and for everyone to know that his football and NFL experience, I should say his NFL experience, really started in Philly. They drafted him. He became acclimated to the NFL. He then would go on and be an iconic coach. People don't realize because they just know him for the game that he has the highest win percentage of any NFL coach in the history of the sport for a guy that's won over 100 ball games. His broadcasting legacy. And what, what why I think it's important too, Bert, is because he kind of showed people in his broadcasting, and then we'll get into the gaming and how important that was for today's generation and people who play Madden and how important that game is to every NFL guy that's in the league today. Everybody I know, I've played it, and I'm not a gamer kind of guy. I've played Madden. And what I loved about him, and I'll tell my personal experience with him when I was out in the Bay Area, but Barrett, he he, he put a focus on the O-line because he was an O-lineman, and he kind of taught you the game from the inside out. And when you made the all-Madden team, Man, bro, that was like making the all-pro team. When he when he identified you as one of the best players in the sport, and he would always start with the big hogs, always the big dudes, the defensive guys. Lawrence Taylor was one of his favorites. The hogs were one of his favorite groups that he had. Those cowboy old lines. I mean, he was so instrumental, I think, in teaching America the game. And I also think, too, Barrett, that one of the things that made him so – uh, endearing to the fans and to Americans was that 
he was so easy to listen to, and he talked simple. He didn't try to talk over your head. He kind of like was just a, a guy sitting at a bar. You're sitting there eating, you know, popcorn at the bar. You're drinking beers with your boy. And I just think he really brought America even more into what the television age brought into the NFL. No question. You know, um, it's funny you say that. You know, a lot of people don't know he got drafted by the Eagles. And um, he had got hurt his first year. So he was on IR or wherever they called it back then. Yeah. And um, he would sit back and, you know, just because he knew that, you know, that he wasn't going to be playing football, you know, for the rest of his life. You know, he, he, he wanted to figure out what it is to be uh, um, a player that knows everything about the sport. So what do you do when you want to learn about offense and really deep dive into it? You go sit down with a quarterback for that entire season. He sat down and watched film with one of those quarterbacks and broke down the game, tried to find out what he was looking at, which helped him to become a better um, coach because now he sees all the idiosyncrasies of, 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 of passing and, you know, where receivers go. Of course, he knew the offensive line stuff. You know, he played offensive line. He knew protections. He knew how to break things down. But he learned from a quarterback what 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 would hurt him as a quarterback. When, you know, how could he how could he, you know, keep that from happening from an offensive lineman standpoint? He tried to correlate different, you know, different different things as he as he broke down tape with this quarterback, man. And that's because that's how he became the coach he became. Because he understood that what the NFL stood for. He understood the NFL stood for not for long. That's right. And you know, you know, and 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 I think you got a good sense of what a player's coach is because Barrett, I think, and I've asked him this before. I think one of the things that made it such a different analyst and him becoming the greatest analyst in NFL history was the fact that that's how he spoke to his players. The same way he spoke to Americans about football is how he dealt with his players. And I've had great conversations with Al Davis in the past about Madden. And he, he had what I love about the fact that Jimmy Johnson took a lot of what Madden did and how he dealt with his players because Jimmy had players like Michael Irvin, had players like Charles Haley, but he also had the Aikmans of the world. He had the Emmets of the world. Being able to handle different personalities and being able to connect with every personality is a skill set that some coaches just don't have. Exactly. Some guys only bring on their teams, Barrett, guys that resemble their own personality because it's easier for them to coach. It's the hard thing when you have to bring guys in that have to be babysit. Some guys have to be hit with a hammer. Some guys have to be hit with a feather. And he was that kind of guy. And I think it was because he had two rules. Show up on time and play like hell. His philosophy was, hey, if I have too many rules, you're more likely to break one. And let's just go out and play ball. And to me, that was the ultimate players coach. When you have a guy like that, that can look at you, and first before you ask him questions, like when you interview John Madden, he interviews you first, actually, and then right. he knows what you tick so that he can respond in the right way. It's almost like, hey, what do you know? He goes, no, 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 what do you know? And then we can start from there. So, yeah, my, my, my relationship with him, I started my uh, broadcasting career in the Bay Area, and it bear one time, man. I mean, the program director was a toolbox out there, and I, I you'll never get on the air, Silio. You'll be an update guy for the rest of your life. I'm like, okay, great. So the guy doesn't show up. I, I go out there, and 
I start going, Madden 759 win percentage. How's this guy? And everything was all San Francisco back in the early 90s because the Niners were winning so many ball games and the Raiders right. were kind of good but not good. They had the Mike Whites and the Joe Bugles of the world coaching that team. They weren't really – then all of a sudden they hire a 32-year-old John uh, Gruden and it kind of turned the, uh, the worm there for the Raiders. But he calls up my program director and goes, this guy Salil's great. you got to get him. So I went over to his house in Blackhawk, met Virginia, met the kids and everybody, and we've had a great relationship um, for the last 25 years, and he was really instrumental in helping me get my first giant radio job. And, you know, we were friends for the longest time. Just an abs- I thought the documentary on Saturday was spectacular. Amazing. So did you see it? Did you get a chance to see it? I saw the tail end. I didn't see the beginning. I saw, like, I, I caught it, like, right at the halfway point, you know, but – I mean, I'm, I'm going back to watch the rest of it, man. But, you know, just the intimate relationships you have with them. I, I can remember I first got to Philly. My first three years in Philly, we had a couple of John Madden games. And one time um, I'm, I'm, I got to the stadium and I jump on the elevator and I'm going upstairs to have lunch or something like that. And um, him and Pat Summerall were in this, inside the, the uh, elevator. I promise you, the elevator might have opened and shut, went up and down three times before he let me off. We talked about everything, man, everything. So I had a, you know, I, I felt as though I had a close relationship with oh, him. Yeah. That's what he did. He would give you a sense that he knew everything, and he knew everything about me, knew everything about me, you know. So I love the relationship that I had with him. Then, I, you know, as I went on, I, I, I left and went to Detroit and, you know, Detroit, and he, he changed how you watch Thanksgiving di- um, dinner. With, Have you, you know, ever had his, a turducken? Yes. I was an offensive lineman. I was on the offensive line, and we were pretty good that year. Uh, this is 98, and we got to eat, you know, the six-legged um. Oh, my God. Turkey, man. so awesome, yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was unbelievable, man. Unbelievable, man. Just, just being a part, man. Just being a part of that, you know what I mean? And that's exactly what, you know, John did. He made you feel so personable when he's talking to you and put things into layman's terms. And, you know, when I do college football games, I try to think the same way he does. You know, I, I can't think the way a lot of these new broadcasters think. You know, I'm not a Troy Aikman. Yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think like Tony Romo. I mean, Romo is great because he can see things happen before it happens. What I try to do is to give a guy a sense, if he's at the watering hole, it is job. He wants to know what's going on so he'll sound more intelligent about the game. If I go out there and talk about cover two and yeah. how the corners have to squat out there and don't explain why that's happening, then it's all for naught because he's just saying things and throwing terms out there that he doesn't really know. So now I break it down. You know, our 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, and how it, you know, it helps in, in the run game when you have a, a, a pass-catching tight end out there who can play in the slot because now the defense has to go out there and put their heavy formation in or their regular formation, which is three linebackers, as opposed to having two linebackers when, it's, you know, when, you, when you're looking at um, nickel. You know, I, that's, that's why I like to break it down when I'm doing a game, these college football games. And that's what I like to think. You call it layman's terms. I kind of think it's Madden terms, you know, put it in Madden's terms. Because Madden made you feel like you knew what the heck you were thinking. And he was he made you think, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That's what you want people to come out of the broadcast thinking. I was thinking the same thing. That's what happened. Exactly. That's what I was thinking, too. He just showed me how to say it. And I think that's that's what that's what people want to hear. And that's what Madden was so great at. Absolutely. You know, you know, my, my wife's a rugby coach and, you know, she's like, you know, these kids just don't understand what I'm talking about when I'm telling them that they have to, 
you know, have a, a lineup like this. I'm like, did you ask him if you know what you're talking about? And, 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 and she's like this. I go, I go, look, I go, when somebody comes to me and I first get into the NFL and I didn't even know what a, a slip scoop was. Yes. I didn't know. I didn't know what that was. And she's like, oh, my God, I never thought of it. I go, yeah, most of your players that you're talking to, especially the new people that you bring on your team, have no idea even how to line up. Okay, exactly. they don't even know one technique, three technique, two technique, head up. They, they have no idea what you're talking about. So you've got to fundamentally put that in as a listener. When someone's listening to you, Barrett, when you go like this, What's oh, an he's under trying front. to slip the guy. Yeah. <laughs> 90% of the nation has no idea what you're talking exactly, about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, let's get into, um, hey, man, who would have thought, right, 13 days ago, we're sitting here talking now that the Eagles are 8-7 and seven here. And wow. This has been an incredible turnaround since the beginning of the season. They've won now six of their last eight ball games, and how they've taken care of business here. And let me ask you here. What have you been and who have you been more impressed with so far in what this turnaround has been about? Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, Howie Roseman, Jonathan Gannon. Is it anybody? Fill in the blank here and what you think has been the biggest turnaround and who really is the catalyst to this thing? Because if you look at what they've done here, I mean, I've got some numbers down here. It's incredible. They're number one in rushing. They're in the top 10 and defending the run now. They're like number two in point, or excuse me, yards allowed defensively. It's it, it it it's a completely different ball team for these last six out of eight ball games. You know what? I, I have to give the majority of it to Nick Sirianni. You have to give it to Nick Sirianni because I feel as though if you have a bunch of players and all these players are graded wearing green and you only have a couple wearing black, if you keep trying to run something that's black, you're, you're totally um, you're totally taken away from what the guys that they're doing in green, who are the majority of what you want to be successful with. And I think that's the biggest thing. He understood that his offensive line is a good offensive line if he's allowing them to run block. You continue to try to pass block with this offensive line, it's only going to hit yourself in the head. You, you, you're just not going to be able to have some success because they're not as good at that. Then when you have a quarterback who's who understands, you know, how to be an intangible, not necessarily a quarterback, but to be an intangible, then you have to make that his, his, his sense of who he is flourish more. What I mean by intangible, he's not going to be a guy that's going to throw a, 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 a nine route perfectly going to drop right into your hands unless he has some help doing it. He has that capability, but you have to pull it out of him. And that's what he's doing. He's pulling out of Jalen Hurts what he's good at. He's given him an opportunity to run the offense in a way in which, all right, if we want to push the ball down the field, we can run play action. But the only way we can run play action is if we run the ball. We run the ball, so now the defense has to, to, to look at it two ways. I can't just pin my ears back and rush the passer. I have to first try to stop the run, then convert to, to pass rushing moves. And that's a big difference on how they were doing it at first. Teams were going in and weren't even respecting the run because they weren't going to run. They were, you know, they, they were just rushing the passer. Now you slow all that down, and that half a second or two gives Jalen Hurts that much more time to, to, to really evaluate what's going on in front of him and push the ball down the field. So, hey, do you want to pass? You know you got to run first. It's going back and almost being old school football 
like I saw with the Dallas teams, yeah. like I saw with with the even the 49er teams. You know, you had Tom Raffman, guys like that, Roger Craig running the rock. And that opened up that West Coast offense where you saw Dwight Clark being good. You see uh, Jerry Rice being good because they were able to run the ball successfully. You know, those guys, you know, what's, what's the center name? Sopa? Or, uh, I forget his name. Jesse Sapolo. Sapolo. Jesse I know Cipolo. that, dude. I played on him. <laughs> <laughs> see, when you're playing against a guy like that and, 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 and Guy McIntyre, People don't understand how good of run blockers they were. They're the ones that start all that pulling around. All oh, that McKittrick was one of the best offensive line coaches that they had exactly. in the league at that time. McKittrick, he would, he, hey, he would teach the leg whip, but I'll leave it at that. But I mean, hey, man, yeah, the cross shoulder hey, blocks too when they oh, flip yeah, their whole hey, body around. Harris Barton, right? Harris <laughs> Barton <laughs> yep. too, man. They were a good group, right? But they ran the ball successfully. Yep. So Nick had to really go out and change his whole philosophy, and basically change and, and 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 relay it to his upper management because they want him to pass the ball. They want a Tom Brady type of offense. That's not what he has in that locker room. So he had to smooth it and smooth it over with the guys upstairs, the Howie Rosemans, you know, the, 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 the owners of the team, the um, Jeffrey Lurie's. Guys, if you want to be successful, I want to be successful in my first year. I can't continue to do this. I have to run the ball. I have to do this, and, and, and that will have some success, but this will allow us to be better as a team. So it's but not just him getting these players to do it, but also the upper management to also buy into it. Barry, you're, you're, you're now like the fifth guy that has said that ownership hates this style of football. And I'm thinking to myself, who gives a shit what style of football you have, man? This is about <laughs> wins and losses. Why, and, 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 and you know what? If you watch that Giant game, they came out again against their identity. They threw the ball, and I'm sitting here, and I saw Seth Joyner uh, tweeting out too, going, "What? It's almost like they can't help themselves." Exactly, I'm throwing the ball, and it really just seems to me that those guys in the front office are really in their ear saying, "We need to throw the ball." And I'm like, "Wait a minute! You're you're scoring 30 points a game. You're running teams off the field." You have the two dynamics, right, Barrett? Yes. You could be a scary factor in the postseason. You're now showing the ability to stop the run, and you're showing the ability to run people off the field with time and, and win possession. Super Bowls. Right, and which, that's how you win Super Bowls, exactly, yes. with time and possession and keeping Tom Brady, keeping Aaron Rodgers and Stafford on the sidelines. Why do they hate that style so much? Bruh, they didn't. I, you know, um, the Lurie, I, I love Mr. Lurie. That's my guy, you know, but he comes from New England in that area. He first tried to buy the Patriots. Huh, from the Sullivan family. Out. You're right, <laughs> but it didn't work out, you know, so he came yeah. down and he bought the Eagles. He transformed this team. He made the Eagles a gold standard. I love the fact that he does that. He would give a player wherever they needed to make sure that they were going to get to the top of their physical prowess as a player. He would spare no expense. In fact, you know, the relationship he has with his players is great. But he always wanted that, you know, that that type of 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 of, of you know error about himself, like they have in New England. You know, he wants to be like Kraft. And I, I mean, I wish you would understand this. It's, 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 it's three ways. You know, it's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, yeah. there's it, a lot of ways in which you can do it. Let's run the ball. Let's form this identity. Now, this is the new wave stuff that identity because people understand the reason why they're having so so much success running the ball is because the defenses. Have have evolved into smaller, faster type of players. 
But Seals, I don't know if you could have played back then because right no. now all the defensive linemen are like linebackers. They're the no. linebacker size. Defensive ends are like oh, linebackers. No size. doubt, man. I was 320 pounds. I don't know if see? we got them dudes in there unless they're playing nose and I don't see a nose in there any longer. Like exactly. the old Wolfords. What happened to the Saragusas? Yeah, the Wolford, Saragusa, yeah, guys like that. Guys. Casey Hampton. Yeah. So the, it evolved. So you needed guys that could go out there and handle these spread offenses. Everybody wanted four wide receivers, 11 personnel or, or four wide receivers out there. And the reason why these guys got smaller, these linebackers got smaller because they don't have to take on the run. They got to go out there and cover wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. So there's smaller guys on the defensive side of the ball. Well, the reason the Eagles are having some success, they have a bigger offensive line. Yeah. These guys are huge. You know, Jordan Malala, six foot six, 390 pounds. You got Lane Johnson, who's six foot um, seven, six foot six, six foot seven, 320 pounds. These guys are coming off the ball and hitting you in the mouth. And the guys are, you know, that they're they're blocking are just too small. They're getting moved around. They're not used to being people running the ball on them. They just want to put their butt in the air, hand in the ground, and pass rush, pin their ears back and pass rush. They're making them stop the run, and nobody's able to do it. The only thing that stops the Eagles offense is the Eagles offense itself. They'll do Absolutely. something stupid with a penalty or something like that. Nobody is built well enough or, or big enough to, to, to stop those guys coming off the balls, double teaming. I mean, every time you do it, you can at least get three or four yards. You do that three times. That's a first down. And that's the reality that the Eagles have to keep embracing, that you can run the ball three times consistently and you can have a first down. You can go all the way down the field. That's why I won the Super Bowl I wanted in, uh, in um, Super Bowl Forty. We knew if we gave the ball to Jerome Bettis three times in a row, it was going to be a first down. That's a luxury there, man. And we could stop the run our defense, your top defenses. That's how you win Super Bowls. That's how you go out there consistently. Time possession, keeping them guys off the field. Keep the prima donnas off the field and you can win games, man. And once they take to it solidly as opposed to right now going out and, you know, all right, we're going to try this out first. And if it doesn't work, we'll get back to what we do best. No, just do what you do best. Erase all doubt from these guys' minds, from the opposing team's minds. It'll be an easier game to win. Man, I tell people this all the time. There is nothing more intimidating and there's nothing more frustrating when you've got four plays being run down your throat and you can't stop the clock and someone's kicking your ass for 60 minutes. Right. <laughs> and it ain't about being spread out. And I'll tell you something. You bring up Pittsburgh, and maybe you disagree with me completely, but when – to me, and I've had a conversation with Kevin Colbert, and I know a ton of those That's guys. Guy. Uh, Carl Carl Dunbar's now the D-line coach here. I played with him. And yep, yep, yep. I gotta tell you, man, I mean, you know, I think the problem in Pittsburgh right now is, is that they got away from doing what you just said that they did back with Bears, man. There is no doubt that that identity of that Steeler team. All of a sudden, they fell in love with spreading people out. And I'm going yep. like this. That's not Steeler football. Steeler football is Joey Porter and everybody not going to live in piss out of you, killing you on the run game, and making it sure that it was third and short set. The quarterback always had the playbook open to 90% of the plays in the book on third and short. Pittsburgh got so away from that. You look at them now, third and 10, third and eight. They've got the worst stole line that I've seen in my lifetime. It's the worst defense since 54. And again, there's a lot of retooling. Ben's out of gas, but there's an example of a team that got away from who they were at one time, like when you won that Super Bowl. Pittsburgh doesn't – I don't recognize the Steelers now. No. Because they didn't embrace that identity. 
they kind of want to do what the Eagles want to do. They want to throw the ball down the field, 500 yards offense. And that's why you're sitting here looking at Mike Tomlin's postseason record over the last seven years. And you're like, not that impressive because they're getting bounced. Because like you said, you can't just turn around and give it to Bettis, keep that dude on the sideline and run people off the field. They, they got away from their identity. Maybe you agree or disagree with me on that. No, no, no. That, that's exactly what it is. That is not a Pittsburgh identity. You see out there. See, people don't understand that when I was there, the major reason why we were as good as we were because we, the way we practice. Now, what have you heard a coach say, look, you guys don't stop practicing so damn hard. I'm going to send you guys in. Right on. It was times where he, he, would have to, he would have to stop practice. Look, guys, you're beating each other up. Stop it. We got a game to play. This is not the game. And we had the mentality as a, as, a, as a player that, all right, I've already won the game because I played against the best guys I'm going to play against this week in practice. I knew I was going against one of the best pass rushers in Joey Porter in practice. Ben knew he was going against the best safety in Troy Palomalu and, 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 um, and, and Ryan um, every day in practice. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, Alan Fanica knew he was going against the best nose guard in the league when he was going against Casey Hampton. So when we finished practicing with each other, we played the best team already. Yeah. For three days, two and a half days in practice, we played against the best team in the league. So when we stepped on the field, we had the mentality that, all right, then, this is going to be easier than practice. And nine times out of ten, it was easier than practice because we played and we practiced so hard. It's almost like we played a game. We played so hard in practice that I'm telling you, man, Coward would be so pissed. Yeah, One but you, see, you practice up. game tempo, Barrett. Exactly. And there's so many teams. How many how many practices have you been to? You see guys walking the drills and shit. You see people. What is that? Uh, right, what is that? I, I played for Coach Jimmy. He made – we practiced the same way you did all the time. It exactly. was That's why there were not a lot of old dudes on those teams, man. I mean – there were not a lot of old guys, man, because people did not sit. I want to I want to throw two situations at you this year with the Eagles. And you tell me if these were important moments this year for Nick Sirianni. Um, early in the year, Fletcher Cox goes, they were asked the question. I forget what game it was. It was early in the season, and they were going like, hey, man, the Raiders. what do you make of Jonathan Gannon's defense? And he goes, we're not on the same page. It's just not Raiders. happening here. And all of a sudden, in the last couple games, I'm seeing Sirianni chewing Jalen Hurts' ass out on the sidelines, and Jalen's taking it all in, and he goes out. He goes, kid, you're being I'm, – I'm paraphrasing here. Kid, you're, you're being reckless with the ball. We can't have it, man. Just can't have it. You know, I, and he goes out, and he performs, and he pulls in the victory. They run through the tape. And to me, that tells me this. Nobody got their butt hurt. Nobody, nobody got their panties yeah. in a bind. Everybody was worse. listening to yeah. each other. Do you agree, Barrett, that that kind of galvanizes a football team when you're all sitting there knowing, hey, there's nothing personal. I love you, kid. I'm just trying to put you in a position to win. And the player goes, I got you, coach. Don't worry. I know it's coming from a place Big of seals. love. How important is that? Big seals. When was the last time your coach wasn't yelling at you? And when a coach stopped yelling at you, that's when you got scared. Like oh, yeah, a coach yelling at you, stop dealing with you. That's what I'm scared because that means right. he, either I've peeked out at what he thinks that I can do, or he doesn't want to coach me anymore. And that's when I'm. That's when I want to. You know, I'm like, yo, because as long as he's yelling at me, he's he's he knows that I can get better. 
He knows I can do a lot more than what I'm giving. Most guys fear Tuesday when they have that happen to <laughs> Exactly. So when you look at what happened with Fletcher Cox, when he said, you know, all right, you know, I just got frustrated. I jumped the gap, you know. And the reason why he jumped the gap, because he was stopped. He was so mad at the mundane defense that he was playing in. It was so, you know, it was, it, it was so mundane in the aspect that they couldn't apply any pressure. You know, they want to apply pressure. He's got DBs now in the secondary that I feel as though they can go out there and cover man-to-man. Maddox, Nelson, and Slay can, can handle one, two, and three of their best receivers on the opposing team. So you don't have to be as cautious in how you approach blitzing because you have guys in the back end and the tail end that can cover. I have a lot of faith in McLeod and Harris back there also. So why not heat him up in the front side? Well, I'm thinking it's because he didn't have the linebackers he thinks can get there. Well, you don't know unless you try. Well, now he's trying because he heard he heard what Fletch Fletch said. Hey, look, man, I'm 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 I'm, t- I'm tired of this, man. I'm tired of playing this 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 inadequate football. You know, we're not aggressive enough. I want to play aggressive. I want to jump gaps. I want to get up the field and create havoc. That's what I do best. And when he does that and allows those guys up front to do it. They're a much better defense, but he can't continue to go out there and play picket fence defense and guys sit back, you know, eight yards off the ball. Who plays defense like that besides, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, if I'm an old lineman and I see a guy eight yards off the ball, I'm going like this. Hey, over here. <laughs> right. Let me check. Let me check for you. Let me let me check this for you. And you get it out there to him, you know. And that's the problem, man. You gotta be, they have them, they have the personnel packages to go be more aggressive because their personnel can play that style of football, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing. You know, I, I, I tell people like this, look, Cower, he didn't play around, man. He didn't play around. He was sending the house. He was making sure that because he saw it first in practice, he saw the aggressive nature in practice. So he didn't feel as though he, you know, he could, he could, he could not do anything because we saw it in practice. We practiced that way. I don't know if these young kids these days could handle that type of thing, man. If you've been, have you you seen the way they have, um, you know, camp these days? <laughs> if they had camp like that, country when I was club, playing, I would. I'd have played twenty five years. Hey, I'd still be hey, playing now. Hey, what? Hey, Barrett, we got we we used to have our camp with the Cowboys out at Thousand Oaks in um, California, right? The Cowboys, right? So Jimmy's first year in his first camp. This and you got to remember, he's coming from Miami, where it's like you know the weather. Fortune, yes. It, I, I look today. I have. I told my wife yesterday. I don't know how these guys do this, man. I, I just, there's no way. I can't. I don't know how I lasted three years down there, and then a couple <laughs> years with the bucket. I, I have no idea. We got out the Thousand Oaks, winds blowing, coming off the mountains. Jimmy goes, "This is it." That was the last year they were in Thousand Oaks. <laughs> that that was not going to happen, man. He just was like, no way, man. And then I covered the Chargers for a bit, Southern California. I show up to a Mike McCoy camp, and I'm walking around this M- Mike McCoy's camp, and I'm going, by the way, Sirianni's on that staff too, by the way. <laughs> okay, he's a wide receiver coach. And I'm going like this. I go, so these guys are walking around like this and going to next drills. Hey, whistle blows. They go over. They do nine on seven. They go over. They have a couple of pat. I'm going like, man, football's changed a lot, dog, man. Because man, lot, I, I remember I did three when I had Ray Perkins. We did three a days. 
Wow. And hey, three a days at Pepin Rude Stadium. I'm down in Tampa, and I'm telling you, man, I'm sweating my baguettes off, and I'm just going like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it, man. <laughs> Bro, my first year at camp, my first year at camp, man. I get to camp. First of all, we're there a week earlier because rookies had to be there a week earlier. Yep. And selected veterans, veterans that are on a, you know, that are right on the edge of of, of being cut. So we get there, we're pounded out two a days for for a week before the vets got there. The vets come there, and we got five more weeks of camp. We're in Westchester. Westchester, and where their field was, where we practiced them, it was down in the middle of a, like a cavern. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's like in, it's in, this, in this valley thing, and it's so hot, and you can see the waves of heat going up. And, you know, it was just muggy in there. It, it was the it was the worst thing I've been a part of in my life, man. It, it was just crazy, man. I mean, some of the stories I can remember from my rookie year, man. It's crazy. What, one story in particular, I had two great running backs. I had Ricky Waters and Charlie Garner. Well, we're going through practice, and Ricky's getting like, you know, we have during our, our um, sessions, we run 12 plays. Well, on those 12 plays, if they have eight runs, Ricky would Ricky would take seven of the runs, and Charlie would take run one run. So we go through this. We go through two days. Charlie's getting pissed off. So we get, we get through practice. We're about well, three. We're about a quarter of a way until we're done. They tell Charlie, Charlie, uh, go in there and run this place. Said, nah, man. Nah, nah. <laughs> Charlie going to get to know man. He takes his helmet off, walks to the other field, and sits on top of his helmet. And like Charlie, man, no, I'm not doing it. Stop begging me, because the running back coach was Dick. Stop begging me, Dick. Dick, stop begging me. You tell that MF to go take all the plays. He gets all the run plays anyways. You give me one run play, let him take that one run play also. Tell him to take the rest of practice. I'm done for the day. And sat there. I'm like, is this the league? <laughs> And he sat right there, didn't do nothing for the rest of practice, and <laughs> took his helmet off and jogged into the room, into the locker room, bro. That's different, that, man. That, Things were that different is back awesome, then, man. I love those camp <laughs> stories, man. Hey, listen, I got, I got two things to hit on. That Washington have been, they've been embarrassed two straight games. Also, Gardner Minshew, there's a report out there that went into like the head coach's office and demanded something. I want to hit on that. When we come back out of the timeout, Big Seal sitting in for Harry Mays, man. I love these stories, man. It is a football Wednesday here with my man Barrett Brooks. You keep it right here on the middle. This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season 
with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees, donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Special edition of the Metal with Big Show, sitting in for Harry Mays here with my guy Barrett Brooks. Man, love talking these stories here. Let me ask you right out of the gate here: Has Jalen Hurts passed the audition for you? You fill in the blank on what that means. Yes, Jalen Hurts has passed the the audition. Um, he's 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 growing as a quarterback. He's gotten better every single step of the way this season. Um, you give him an opportunity, he takes that opportunity and he runs with it. He is to me a um a starting QB in this league. He's he's the starting QB for the Eagles from from this point on. Um, you know, we're 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 acting like, you know, that every quarterback has to be a, a Tom Brady or or Patrick Mahomes or or an Allen. You, you, those those type of guys come few and far between. So when you have a good quarterback, take advantage of what that quarterback brings to the table and run with it. Build around him. The Eagles have three first-round picks next week. I mean, next year. Give him an opportunity to build the team around him. You know, he—he, he, you don't have to worry about him, 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 him not being successful. He's going to play well. He's going to play successful. He's better than half the half the quarterbacks in the league right now at this point, anyways. He's a lot better than all the rookies that are playing at this point. Anyways. I take him over Mayfield, hands down. All day, all day, all day. And that guy was the number one pick in the draft. I take exactly. him all day, right? So, you know, you're talking about a guy that has intangibles. And everybody's like, well, we're talking about quarterback. Why can't we just talk about quarterback? Yes, we're talking about quarterback. Quarterbacks are there to win. That is their sole purpose is to find a way to win. Whether it's passing, whether it's running, whether it's doing both. You have to be skilled enough and, and, and have a, a, an offense that brings out that skill set in him. You're not going to put Baker Mayfield in Tom Brady's offense, but you're not going to put Tom Brady in Baker Mayfield's offense. You know, it's, 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 it's how you build your team around what 
players you have around you is what makes you successful. You can have coaches come in from the West Coast offense and come in and try to come with an air raid offense, and they just won't be able to react. They won't be able to play because you have to learn the guys that are around you. And that's exactly what this Eagles team is doing. That's what Nick Sirianni is doing. That's why I got to take my head off to him. I'm not worried about Howie Roseman and who he brings in. Sirianni has shown the capacity to take what's ever around him, mold them, and 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 put out a product that's that's successful, a product that can win. And that's why I said Nick Sirianni has to get most of of why this team is in, going in the direction that it's going right now. How about this too, Barrett? I mean, I wonder what level that is, though, on passing the audition. And I I say this to you because you know how personnel people work. They'll look you one thing in the face and tell you whatever you want to hear. You're you're our guy. We love you to death. But do you think this is the type of organization – you give me the history here. Do they run dual-track options? And what I mean by dual-track options are, hey, I love the kid, man. He is our guy. He's turned out to be actually – Remember when they drafted him at the second pick and they even moved up to get him? I went like this. That is not a number two pick. There is no way. Now I'm doing this. You put him in this year's draft, he's a first rounder, maybe bottom half of the first round. Da, da, da. Yep. I mean, this guy's a he he's actually elevated his equity in the league from being that number two. But I, I would I would say this: do you still think with all the assets they have, with all the cap space they have, that if it does come up? where all of a sudden, I don't know how attractive it's going to be with Howie in the front office and also with the lack of veteran wide receivers for a veteran quarterback to want to come in here. I think the offensive line is more intriguing for a veteran quarterback to want to come in here than, say, New York. New York's got a train wreck of an old line. I think that's going to be important for a quarterback that somebody like a Russell Wilson, somebody like a Deshaun Watson, do you think they entertain that or do they go the way of what the Patriots did and what Seattle did? Remember, when they built that dynasty in New England, they were doing it off a sixth-round contract of Brady. And yep. when they were doing that in Seattle, they were doing that off of a third-round contract with Russell Wilson. And people don't realize, I said this yesterday, Tavares Jackson made more money the first two years that Russell Wilson was the starter in Seattle <laughs> as the backup because – they were able to get the Cam Chancellors. They were able to sign the Richard Shermans. They got the Bennett signed to those big deals. The Legion of Boom was all created because they didn't have to spend the money. The Eagles are in a really good place. 11 picks, three in the first round. You can go and get yourself uh, depth in your defense, linebackers, edge rusher, maybe a free or strong safety and uh, free agency. I don't know. I mean, do you think they're still going to entertain that or do you think they're going to look at it and go, hey, look, we're good right now with what we have at quarterback? Bro, you, you, you hit it on the head. The reason why the Eagles were able to go in and win a Super Bowl this, in 2017 is because they had a rookie contract of, of, of Carson Wentz, which allowed them to go out and get, you know, the guys that they got free agency. They went out and got, you know, Alshon Jeffries, the number one uh, wide receiver free agency that year. They were able to go out and get Howard. They were, able, I mean, not not Howard, but um, trade with Miami and, and and get the running back they got from down there. They were able to go out and, and bring in key assets because they didn't have that huge contract to pay the quarterback. Once you pay the quarterback, it's hard to keep guys around. It's hard to bring guys in because you're cash strapped. You know, you don't you don't have the time to go out there and sign these big big free agents and all that stuff. When you have a quarterback, so it's probably going to take you know, what, 30%, 40% of, of your cap space 
Well, look and at Dallas. Look at Dallas, Barrett. I mean, Dallas has got to pay $42 million in Dak, twenty uh, $15 million this upcoming year for Zeke, $24 um, for Amari Cooper. There, there, there's $208 million that's going to be projected in the salary cap. You haven't even got to your old line yet. You haven't even got to your backups, let alone get on the other side of the ball and into special teams. That's why they're fast-tracking right now to win a Super Bowl ASAP. That's Agreed. why they've done the thing that they've done so they can win a Super Bowl now because that window is getting smaller. People don't understand the Eagles, that window they have is going forward is, is tremendously open right now. I mean, even this year, they're cash-strapped because they have Carson's um, uh, cap hit on the books right now. Next year, it won't be there. Right. Imagine the people they can sign. They have three first-rounders. Imagine what they can bring into this organization. And I'm not even counting, you know, not even counting the quarterback. I mean, if you keep what you have right now. They only owe them $3.2 million over the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> you can go out and get whatever you want. And that's the that's what you have with having a, a young rookie quarterback. That's pretty good. You know, even now, you usually you, it usually takes a quarterback three years to show you exactly who he is. Well, this kid has had to fast track that. He's had to go out there and show what he is right now because he doesn't have the leash that a lot of these other quarterbacks have. He didn't have the leash that, that Josh Allen had. He definitely didn't have the leash that um, – that uh, you know, uh, what they have at Cleveland, because I I don't know what they think they have in Cleveland. Oh, he's you know killing I mean? Baker Mayfield's killing that roster. That roster is one of the top three rosters in the AFC. No, when they were on the field, when they were on the field against Green Bay on Christmas Day, I was like, "This Cleveland's got the best." Why they were getting nine yards a carry? And you're <laughs> there, there's there's the example that you bring up too about uh, an organization, and Kevin Stefanski was the coach of the year a year ago, still, go. I'm going like this, you're getting nine yards to carry. What? I would never have that guy drop back at all. And I'm sitting there watching this going, it, I, I don't know. That That's a good-looking roster there. That guy's killing them. I mean, look at look at Landry. Uh, was Seals, Peoples, or Peoples Seals, whatever it is. They yeah. got wide receivers out the yin-yang. They, yeah. um, they, they got two of the best running backs in the league, you know, Chubb and Hunt. I mean, and, and, and that offensive line comes off the ball and, and, and blocks well. That's all you need. And the defense, any other defense that could stop people. You know, you have the best defensive end in the league, and you're not using them probably because, number one, they're on the field too long. Yeah. Because they're not controlling the clock on the offensive side of the ball. Chip Kelly stuff. Exactly. So what did – I don't understand how people always go out there and, and they'll, 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 they'll bite their nose off to spite their face. Come Absolutely, on, man. man. Hey, so there, let's go over to – has Sirianni passed the audition for you? Has it been an upgrade or is it different than what – and by the way, we'll hit on Doug Peterson in Washington. I said we'd talk about Washington too, but Doug Peterson looks like he's going to have an interview now with Jacksonville, some other NFL teams too. Yep, looks like yep. Chicago is going to be also in the mix here. But Sirianni, has it been an upgrade in your opinion at the head coaching position? Was Howie right here also? No, it it wasn't an upgrade. Okay. I won't say it's an upgrade. Well, yeah, what what exactly is Nick Sirianni compared to what we had with Doug Peterson? Well, Doug is, I mean, Doug had already learned. Doug had already learned that, you know, his team, it wasn't his team. So he huh. had to leave. It it wasn't it wasn't a team that he that they felt as though he built. 
The front office felt that that's his team and they could just plug and play whoever they want. Now, right now it's showing, yes, they probably can plug and play with the system that they have. They so fellas, Barrett, they you put, think Sirianni's a better plug-in with the front office than what Doug is to the front office? Right, yes. Because because P- Peterson had a lot to do with the, you know that roster and, and coaching those guys, but the front office felt as though they made Peterson who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, all the all the stuff that he had to go out there and do, I, I I wouldn't want to do that either, man. I mean, meeting with you know ownership on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it was, and you know having to go to the front office and, and explain why you know you just beat a Green Bay team in Bear, Green Bay. Do you Bay. believe what Seth says that he told them the to pound rocks? Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's no question about that. That's exactly what happened. I learned he that had, from had, both of you. I learned that from both of you then that. He walked in that meeting when they were trying to talk about his coaching staff, and he just said, "Kiss my ass, I'm out of here." Out of on. that's exactly what it was. Okay. He had to take he had to take their foot off his neck okay. and say, "Look, man, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do this anymore." So that's why you know. I mean, it's a very arrogant staff. There is a very arrogant you know owner. You know, and that, that just becomes with being an owner, and and becomes with Harry Roseman. You know, he he built himself. You know what I mean? He he took it and 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 from his basement where he was going out and 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 you know drafting salad crap and all that stuff in his basement he feels like he's a self-made a self-made gm so if you i mean if you really believe that that's who you are then i understand how you're feeling the way you feel but what you don't know is on that field is a lot different from being up in that office what you see on that field is a relationship it's not a relationship with the front office that's relationship between coaches and players. And that's one thing that I don't think that, you know, any ownership or, or any GM could really facilitate unless you've been there before. You know, it's, it's hard to go out there and think like a player if you haven't been a player. You know, same vice versa. You know, it's hard to be the player and, and, and think like an owner if you haven't been an owner or a GM before. But you still – you still have to understand those relationships have to be worked. They have to be kindled every day. You know, you you have to make sure that those guys out there believe in what you're saying and what you're doing. And that's the biggest thing I see with Nick Sirianni. When he got to talk about planting damn flowers and all that stuff, you see who came to bat for him. His yeah. squad came to bat for him. Yeah. And that's what you want. Your squad comes to bat for you. We knew what he was talking about, but everybody else thought it was rhetoric. No, I knew what I was I, – I, I knew exactly what he was saying. You just can't say it. he's just not one of those guys that media savvy right now. He's learning as he's going. He's being lifted as he as he's climbing. But at the end of the day, he's shown to these guys that he can make them better as players. And he's shown to them that he keeps a 100 with them. And everybody in that squad will fight for him because of it. Yeah, and let me let me let me let me throw this at you here, too. You know, with Howie, I wonder how much of what happened with the Chip Kelly regime, how much that has made him more hands-on. And here, let me go here. From what I understand from people that were telling me, they moved that dude to the broom closet. This guy had yep. a big old office and stuff. They moved his ass, like, to the broom closet. This guy had, like, no say, nothing. It was all Chip, big office and everything. And when he got moved out of that role, I guess they gave him some other role or this or that. And then when all of a sudden people started realizing it ain't happening with Chip, all of a sudden, Howie said, I'm going to have more control of everything here. Coaches hires, player roster, 
hell, maybe even how you're going to approach a particular team every week or what have you. We're going to go down this line here. I wonder how that experience has made it so that it became really adversarial between Doug Peterson and with Howie because he was not going to have it happen again to him like he had it happen to him with Chip Kelly. He was not going to be pushed to the broom closet. And I wonder if that whole thing was facilitated. You can actually say it could be facilitated by the owner because he gave complete control to Chip. He was one of the hottest commodities out there. I know the Buccaneers were trying to get him a few years previous and him being able to try to go down there and be the new Bucks coach after John Gruden, and he kind of passed on it. I think it was Raheem Morris that they were going to give him the job after they fired Raheem. And so I'm, I'm just wondering how that whole dynamic worked with Howie and how he has a footprint and almost every single thing which can and cannot be a good thing sometimes or a good thing sometimes. But how do you, is that dynamic? Am I right when I'm putting those tea leaves together here? Yeah, because it, you know, they put Howie, like you said, in the back office. And, and, and that's because Chip, man, Chip was paranoid. Chip, man, how's the lunch lady not like you? I mean, the lunch <laughs> lady didn't even like him. You know what I'm saying? You know, it, it, that was that bad. He wouldn't even speak to the lunch lady, man. So, you know, he was like a – he was an idiot savant, you know what I mean? That's about yeah, it. Yeah, man, man but, that's terrible. Yeah, man, but um, he just doesn't have a relationship with, with people. He's not a people person. But Howie, you know, the owner had kept him around because, he, you know, he and Howie, you know, are, are close. You know what I'm saying? And It goes back to Joe like, Banner, right? All those yep. guys are all connected somehow. Exactly. So when you look at, you know, how he approached the situation after that, he wanted his hands in every single thing in the organization is from, from player development, not just picking out the players, but also in player development. So that's why he has a lot to do with, you know, the people are saying, you know, well, he shouldn't have a say in, you know, the, the, the 46 man roster on game day. I think Howie really wants that say also. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of tough, man. When you're asking a coach to allow your GM to pick your 46 guys, you're going to battle with I have a huge on game day. We're right. You're not down in practice every day. You're not in the meeting room all these hours. You hey, Barrett, I have a problem with him picking my coaching staff. I don't know, too. <laughs> Come on, man. Are you kidding me? You know, you're telling the guy he can't go out and pick guys that he's going to be sitting there, blood, sweat, and tears, countless hours at night, being around these guys 24-7, and he can't pick who he wants in his organization? That's why, uh, That's why. you know, Peterson was like, you know, yo, Doug was like, yo, I'm out. I'm out. You want to pick guys for me? No, uh-uh. I can see you saying, you know, you want this guy to play and this guy. To... No, you can't pick the guys that I'm going to go to war with every single night, breaking down film, coming up with game plans to make these guys better. No, I need the Tommy to have at least a little bit of that to say so. And that's why Doug would say I'm out. He he, he shot him a deuce. Can I, hey, can I, can I, can I tell you that here, let me, let me, let me do this in a professional way here with what Frank Wright told me. See, I think Frank Wright was the buffer between Doug and the front office. And I yes. think it was Frank that kept everything kind of cool and calm in the building. And I think they got and had a working relationship because Frank knew how to deal with Howie and the owner. And I had a conversation with Frank and I asked him, I go, how did Sirianni get the job? He goes, well, I told him this. If you want to win in Philly, You've got to make those guys and those two people part of the process. You know, Jimmy Johnson told me something. He wished that he had done something, Barrett, his time in Dallas. He goes, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I would have made Jerry more inclusive 
into what we were doing so that he could play with more with his toy. I would allow that because it became adversarial because I kept him away from the players and I kept him away from football decisions. Jerry didn't get guys like Charles Haley. They called Bob Ackles up. Bob Ackles yep. would tell Jimmy <laughs> and Jimmy would go like this. Hey, Haley's available. Do you want him? Of course I want him. Are you kidding me? Guy won two Super Bowls. He's one of the best pass rushers in the NFC. You're damn right. It changed their defense. And, 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 and Ed DeBartolo told me it was one of the worst decisions he ever made was allowing him to walk out the building and go because they thought they were sending him to the abyss. So, again, to the point, it was like, you want, you want this job? You have to work with Howie. You have to work with the owner. That was probably the selling point for him to get that job because, remember, at the same time in Indianapolis, Barrett, they were working – the line to try to get Carson Wentz there. And inside the process there, Doug was still the head coach at the beginning of the process. And then it came where you said, and Seth said, well, I'm just going to kick rocks. Well, what about Sirianni? Sirianni's a carbon copy of Frank. He's a great designer of plays. He understands offense. He's really good with offensive skill set guys when it comes to developing them. He's been around Frank for a long time, ever since they were in San Diego. There was a selling point. You want that job. And that's why they really didn't look around the room. They wanted somebody in that building that was going to be able to go like this. Oh, here's the um, active roster sheet on Thursday. Okay, no problem. If you right. weren't able to do that, <laughs> right, right. you were never going to get that job. Now you have to say that again. That's crazy that you said. Say it again. Okay, here's your 46-man roster. Okay, I can work with this. I can work what? with this. Right, that's that's unconscionable, man. To think that uh, a quarterback has to live under that type of um, but but think of I'll this call for a second. But but think of this for a second. I wonder how much of that was just theater in the building to make those guys feel good about themselves. But then again, I watch some of the game plan and I watch some of the situational play calling, and it makes me wonder, Barrett. That to me, it looks like the influence sometimes of the front office when they're throwing the ball when they shouldn't be, when they're down in the red zone. And some of that situational play calling is to appease those guys. And then all of a sudden, what are they doing? There's a reason that they score the most points in the second half. There's a reason they run the ball as well as they do in the second half. Because you know why? It's almost to me, and again, maybe I'm off my rocker when I say this, like the first half is for those guys, and the second half is for the team. Right, And they right, take right. over the – am I right? I mean, it just, it it just seems looks like, like they that, try man. to appease the front office. Just like, just like them trying to, for some reason – get Jalen Rager just totally involved in, in the offense. You, to me, as a player, you earn your stripes. You earn, you know, reps in the offense. You earn balls getting thrown to you. You know, you don't just have them thrown to you just because, all right, I was a first-round pick last year, so, you know, we want to make sure we look good because we picked this guy, and we're not looking good right now, so we're going to keep pumping in the ball until he, until he becomes good. To me, that's 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 stupid, man. That's idiotic for you to go out and think that you can go out and make this guy a player. If the kid if the kid's not ready to be a player right now, then put him somewhere where he can go learn. Right now, we got games to win. You know what I mean? He he's not you know he's not participating right now, so we have to find somebody that can participate and and make big plays. And it seems like he's being force fed from the guys up top because you can't tell me as as a as a as a coach, did you see this guy helping the team? And he's shown every single way not to help the team, 
but you're still trying to incorporate him into what you're trying to do going forward as a team. I, I just don't see it. I don't understand it. Maybe, maybe you can make me understand no, 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 why no, no. it is. I, I, I think it's exactly what, what you just said. By the way, I saw something on tape that was maybe one of the worst things I've ever seen an NFL player have on tape. They showed me yesterday Dallas Goddard getting knocked out in a bar. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was back in the day, man. <laughs> I remember that. Hey, 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 you know, man, hey, I, I don't know, man. When you got that on tape, man, I, I don't know. Plus, but it was like in South Dakota, stuff. too. What's that? How do you get knocked out of South Dakota, man? <laughs> South really, Dakota? What are you doing? What do you like? Who do you, who are you fighting up there, man? Right, man, right. Custer. <laughs> right, right. You're, you're just trying to stay warm in Dakota, man. Anything with Dakota, you're trying to stay warm in, bro. North. I did a game doing? in North in South in North. It was North Dakota two weeks ago. I was in Fargo. It is not meant for human beings to live up there, man. You don't have enough clothing to live up there, bro. It was I, crazy how cold I it was. I laughed so hard when I saw you go like this. Yeah, I'm in North Dakota, and I was going like this. I was something like out of Wade's world. I'm going like <laughs> Yes, yes. I might have been the only black person in, in, in North Dakota also, bro. Uh, I, hey, I don't see freezing. anybody else in the stadium here, man. Right. Is that snow? All right, we'll talk Washington, man. We got to talk about this upcoming game because I think Washington, don't go to sleep on this, man. They're going to put everything no. they have into this football game. Big Seal sitting in for Harry Mays. My man, Barrett Brooks, hour two coming up. You keep it right here on The Middle. This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees donated or installed for free by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Hour two, the middle. Dan Cilio in for Harry Mays here with Baron Brooks. Barrett, are you shocked to play of Carson Wentz in Indy? No. No, I'm not. Um, and I'm gonna tell you the truth. That's 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 how that's how you have to play Carson. Carson, you know, you talk about being dynamic. Carson's not a dynamic quarterback, bro. And he he hasn't been dynamic this year. What he has been is somebody that's, that's um he's good at handing off the ball to that running back. That's what he yeah, is. Jonathan Taylor's His, killing yeah. it. And in the he, conversation for MVP. Oh, and by the way, I've been told by people in Philly that I have to call him Fredo Wentz. You're nothing to me. <laughs> when my hey, when our mother shows up in Philly, I want to know so I won't be here. I don't want you at the casinos. I don't want you anywhere. I don't want to know anything from you. I'm going to sleep. Xander tells me I'm going to bed until you stop talking about him. So that I have to call him Fredo. So when you know I reference him, it's Fredo Wentz. Right, right, right. It's crazy, man. You know, he I mean he he just wasn't made for for Philadelphia football, man. You know, he he's he's not a guy that can can live in this type of environment, you know, he's crazy? not built some guys fit. Yeah. Like, like Roethlisberger fits in Pittsburgh. Yes. You, yes. you know, I mean, Eli had the personality for New York and to play in New York and Phillip rivers was great. He was coached by his dad. He was great with an organization that I think the Spanos family is just not really one of the better uh, organizations in football. And it shows sometimes with the inability on special teams to spend money. They just are cheap. Mm-hmm. And I thought that he dealt with that. He was always a good camper. But, you know, Mike Quick said this as, as a reference to Wentz. I said, if, if a coach got on Wentz's ass the same way they get on Jalen Hurts's ass, he goes, oh, he would have melted it. And by the way, for the record, the Eagles don't win a game where they're down 10 and come back and win with Carson Wentz. Is that fair? Dude, I you know, and I, and I see the stream talking, you know, Bob Carson, look at his numbers. You say what? What'd you say about his numbers? What right Carson's now, he's he's on he's on pace right now to have thirty touchdowns this year. Um, he's at twenty nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's around ninety six quarterback rating. He's going to be around four thousand thirty six, thirty eight hundred passing yards. I mean, dude. I, I mean, he's got a Pro Bowl year going. I I think he's they're winning in spite of him. And I, I, you know, and I know it's just me, just hating, bro. You know, it, 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 it has nothing to do with those numbers. It do you has, hate the personality and how we I, control I do. the team. I do, I do. Okay. I, I don't, I don't like the fact that you know he really gave up on the organization. He gave up on the people. He gave up on the fans here. 
because he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't adapt man he couldn't he couldn't go out there and 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 play in this environment you know what i'm saying and he really wasn't a philadelphian man you, you like think that, he you know? really divided the locker room there's no question about that and i don't think he divided it on purpose so i was he, wrong when i was saying that alshon and uh jackson were the culprits then because nationally when you see this from above i look at guys chirping and I looked at Alshon Jeffries catch the ball in New Orleans, dude. You may be in another NFC title game. Yep. Okay. I mean, to me, you catch that ball. I think Foles was having them going, and I thought they were going to get to another NFC title game. Exactly. And it looked like he was on another magical run there. And so was was I wrong? Does you think that the national media is wrong? Just looking down on it, going, it was the receivers that split the locker room up, and it was actually Carson's personality, not maybe in words, but his actions and person. Yes, exactly. It, it's, it's, it's all right. If you weren't down to what Carson was down with, then he had no time for you. Oh, he geez. wasn't going to out and out be like, I don't want to be around you or, you know, saying or anything like that. He just was not a guy that got along well with people. If you weren't, if you weren't on his level, well, not, not necessarily a level of, of, you know, you know, as far as status, but level as far as, all right. You're I thinking, am, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a, a mature uh, evangelical quarterback in the NFL. So if you can't be a lover of God the way I am, then I really don't have time for you because you might make me backtrack. So I can't really get along with you, but you're still, you're still my teammate. And I'm not That's gonna, too much for me to think about. <laughs> I, right. Right. I'm not going to bad mouth you or anything, but I just can't go out and play any reindeer games with you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, we're just not going to hang out like that. And, and, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not going to really get along with you like that. You know what I'm saying? You go on out drinking every night, you know, we just can't flow. We can't do that. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a balance, man, that you have to have in a locker room, especially when you're around men that he just didn't have, you know, and I, and, you know, like I said, man, I, I don't like that. I don't like the way he handled that whole situation. So you, you know think what I'm Frank's saying? Frank's babysitting him in Indy. There's no question about that. That's why he's there, dude. Can't baby Frank will man. tell you that. I, you should ask him next I, time. I, 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 and I and I'm I'm going to. I, I will tell you, man. I hate that in a man who's getting a paycheck on Tuesdays, bro. You got to get along with all brothers. I mean, even, that's even, right. Know, even even Christ brought in, uh, uh, you know, beggars and, and and tax collectors and everything else. You know what I'm saying? There was no perfect people he that that, that Christ came to deliver. That didn't have that, you know what I'm saying? You know, he yeah. brought in, he didn't bring in the people that are already there, he brought in yeah. the people that needed to go there, you know what I'm saying? Man, and you, you know, you, that's you, what you have to think. You've got to get along, and you, and the most important thing is I think maybe this is maybe it here, and I'll end it here with this because I know people hate Fredo here, and I'm not gonna, but hey man, you know, you've got to have respect for people in the locker room and people's wishes and likes and what they want to do in their life. You don't have to like it, but you've got to respect your your teammate in your locker room. If he's a Baptist, if he's a Jew, if he's a Catholic, exactly. if he's a Christian, if exactly. you're whomever, if you're a drinker, exactly. if you're not a drinker, yes. dude, this all comes that locker yes. room to me. And Barrett, I think, you know, my wife says this, and I wonder if you subscribe to this here too a little bit. Okay. Oh, you know what? Hold on, hold on one second. Now hold on. Uh MS69 sounds like someone has an issue with white religious men. I have no issue with anybody that's a religious man. White, red, brown, green, indifferent. There is not a prejudice bone in my body. Believe that. Can I? But there's I'm a gonna... way in which you could. There's a way in which you can. 
you can you can be around people and handle people and 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 and, and love people. Put it like Hey Barrett, that. I'm I'm going to tell you a story here and this makes me emotional cuz I'm going to tell you something here about an NFL locker room. I said something in 2012 by accident on the air and I said three monkeys once and one of them was my favorite Jonathan Vilma. And when we're in a locker room, there's no racism. There's no religion that is untouchable. We all goof on one another. We all love each other. For me, man, I love my Miami Hurricane teammates to this day, to the day I die. We are stick as thieves, every single one of us. When you say something, people automatically tag you with something. And if you're not in an NFL locker room, my, my wife says this all the time. Sills, you must, Dan, you must just go through life pretending because a locker room is the greatest community of people who all get along. That I, I've got more friends from that era than I do from my broadcasting era because the people in the broadcasting area are full of shit. And the people in my football era are the people that were real with us. They told us their likes. They told us their backgrounds. They told us I knew where they were from. Michael Irvin from a family of 17. Eddie Brown with dirt on the ground, grass on the ceiling, me going over and eating dinner over there, being friends with them. You don't know me from a can of paint, dog. If you've ever been in a locker room and you've lived in those locker rooms like that, and you're a ra- they'll, they'll point you out and kick your ass out of out that of locker da. room. Out of that. Okay. So when someone says that about Barrett, Barrett had the greatest schooling and the greatest classroom of life. That's a locker room. You can't hide in your locker there. Absolutely. And, and, and then, and, but then he didn't listen to what I said. I said, Jesus didn't come for the people that were already tied to the cross. He came for the people that, that weren't. He came for the, 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 the thieves, you know, the tax collectors, people like that to bring to his father. So come on, don't talk about I have a problem with people with, with original sin, man. We me, all born me, with it. Give me a break. That's one thing you can't get on me. And everybody that knows me understands me. I love everybody. You know what I'm saying? But I do know that when you're in a locker room, the locker room crosses all barriers. It crosses all races, all creeds, all ages, uh, sexual orientation. It crosses everything because it's a great melting pot of men. Now you have to be able to get along with these men and women, you know, as far as coaches and and, and, yeah. and and everything else. So to think that I have a problem. Now I have a problem with people that think like that. You know what I'm saying? That's what I have a problem with. But hey, you know, let's let's, let's, let's go on. I, 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 you know what? Boxer rocks sometimes. Right. You know? <laughs> but at the end of the day, Carson, me and Carson, I didn't have to be around Carson. But I see what's Carson. I, I, I was in locker rooms with Carson. I was around. Would you have Carson. said something to him if I was a player on his team? Yes, absolutely. Because I said the same thing to 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 one of the best quarterbacks to ever played the game, RC Randall Cunningham. Yes, I said the same thing to Randall Cunningham. I said, "Hey, hey, dog, I understand, man, that you're in a point in your life, and this is my rookie year. You're at a point in your life where things are 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 in a in a way in which." You know, you've done everything that these young players were us as young players, you've done. You know, you you turned your life to Christ now. You know, you you're not going out like you used to go out back in the days when I heard about it back in the days. You turned your life around. But just because, you know, we're not doing this right now does not mean that, you know, we're bad people. My mom raised me in the church. My mom made sure that my mom prayed for me every single day. Every single day. So I said the same thing to to, to Randall Cunningham. You know what I mean? 
and so that, that makes me that makes me uh, uh, somebody has a problem with with black Christian men also because I said the same thing to Randall Cunningham inside the locker room, inside the locker. He had to get because him and Ricky Waters were like oil and water. Ricky Waters used to come into the locker room. He had Method Man and Red Man in there. And 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 Randall thought that this is a place of sanctity, you know. But that's the. And by way, the way, he's a preacher now in Vegas. Yes, but you know, you know, he th- he thought that's a place, you know, his, his sanctity. That's what you. But here comes Ricky Waters coming in with Method Man and Red Man. You know what I'm saying? And it was just totally different. You know, say there were like two trains passing in the night. You know what I'm saying? They just didn't get along. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to go from that quarterback to a report that your boy Harry Mays read yesterday about Gardner Minshew. So I'm going to paraphrase this here. This is all according to Chris Mortensen, too. Yeah. So yeah. supposedly, um, like like Pete Mitchell, you know, he he rolls in, and Pete Mitchell being from uh, Top Gun, of course, he rolls into um, Nick Sirianni's office after the Jets game. And he rolls in there, Barrett, and he goes, what do I have to do to beat a starting quarterback here in Philadelphia? (laughs) Sirianni goes like this to him. Hey, man, ain't happening. We're completely committed to Jalen Hurts. I then (laughs) guess he went on Chris Long's podcast, and he starts going like this. I haven't taken a number two in about three months, and I don't plan on being a number two. (laughs) (laughs) Or or something like that. I mean, how – and you know what? For a personality like Jalen, because Jalen has been through the ringer ups and downs with his time at Bama, Oklahoma, people still saying that maybe he's the guy, maybe he's not the guy. What do, what, what do, you, what do you make of Minshew going in there? And then, to me, I think the story here is this. Uh, Sirianni, according to Mortensen, Sirianni says we're committed to uh, Jalen. I mean, I wonder what – I mean, we talked about it in the first hour, but – that tells me here a little bit, Barrett, that, okay, you have no chance on playing here. Not that he was going to be the starter here. Not that he's the future here, Gardner Minshew. But he did look good in the Jets game, albeit it was the Jets. But what, what, what do you make of the organization going like this? That ain't happening. Um, you're going to be our backup quarterback for the rest of the year. That's it. When he's healthy, he plays. Well, you know what? First off, I'm going to say this. I like that from Gardner Minshew. I do I like too. That. I want my backup guy to want to start. Exactly, and that's exact. This is exactly why I played, and I got my my career extended four more years with the Steelers, because I had that mentality. I would I came in with the mindset that look, I, I don't want to ride the bench. I want to play, and they had labeled me a backup. You know, I, I started my first six seven years in the league, and after that, I became a backup. So from that point on, you know, I was just working my ass out trying to become a you know a starter again. And I'm, you know, I, I came close, but you know, as an organization, once you get long in the tooth, man, it's hard for you to go in there oh, yeah. and, and get a, a starting position. Yeah. So I'm in Pittsburgh, and my first year there, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm surveying the territory. I'm out there balling. I'm the sixth man. You know, I played center guard and tackle, and I did that the entire year. The next year, they draft the um, Max Starks. They draft Max Starks, Chris Kimawatu. So I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, and. I'm the backup, you know, and he's like, hey, you know, go over there and, 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 and you know, teach these guys this, teach these guys that. So now I'm I'm keep, I'm teaching them how to play my position and take over from me. Take your you know job. Exactly. I I do it. You know what I'm saying? I No commitment without complaining. I was complaining about it, but I did it. The next year come in, I go in and I say, yo, coach, how come you got me doing I want to be a starter. 
I want to start. You know what I'm saying? Give me a chance. I am better than this guy right now. I am better than him. No question. You know I'm better and I'm better than that. You tell me I'm not better than him. He said, Brooksy, just like cowed up. Brooksy, I'm not saying you're not better. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying you are better. What I'm saying is I need you to do this. I'm keeping you on this team because I need you to do this. You've been doing a hell of a job doing this, so I'm keeping you around. Just let it be, Brooksy. Said, Coach, but, but, I'm pissed but, but, off about that. You're in Pittsburgh, and for me, knowing the culture of Pittsburgh, there had to be something in you that went like this. Look, when you're a Steeler, they give you every chance to be a Steeler. And you, you had to trust yep. that organization, not just the coach, but the organization for you to go, fuck it. All right, I'll help them and what they want. No problem. Okay. And that's probably what they saw in you. And that's probably what, you know, the Rooney saw in you and Kevin Colbert and all them guys, you know, they probably just went, we need this guy on our team because he can play all five positions. Yep. He, so they're gonna, they just dress me. They just draft, they, they could just dress me on game day. And that means that they need an extra line. Usually when you on, on game day, they, they draft, I mean, they, um, they dress a center, a guard and a tackle. You know what I'm saying? As far as, you know, uh, you know, backups on game day. Well, if they did, they would come in. We would go into games. They would just dress me. That means they could dress another wide receiver and a linebacker or maybe another cornerback and a receiver. They could just dress me and I could be the backup for everybody. Just just making sure nobody else got hurt, though. If only one person got hurt, we were cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a that was a decided edge for them on game day because I could be that I could be just the one person they dress and they wouldn't have to dress another guard or tackle or center because I played all five positions. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why they love me. But, you know, me going in and have that conversation. So I went in and had that and he told me that. And I was like, Coach, I'm pissed off, Coach. You know I want to play. You know, I said, I, I know it. I know it. And you know what, Brooksy, I like that you're pissed off. <laughs> I love that you're pissed off. But you know, hey, I need you here and I need you to do this. So I went on to play another year and a half doing that. You know what I mean? But it was times I came home. Was, was it tough? Oh, man, I was hot, man. I come in, you know, complaining to my wife. She said, boy, you better go in and, and, and collect that check on Monday. That's what you better do. You better stop worrying about all this extracurricular stuff. Okay, I want you to play too. I want to watch you out there. But, hey, at the end of the day. You could have a problem with me if that direct deposit don't hit on Tuesday. <laughs> you go pick that check up. That's what you do, period. You go pick that check up, man. So that's what I did, man. So it's a different way of, it's a different way of thinking, man. You know, you, you, you got to think in a way in which, all right, understanding that the organization, wants you to be this way. An organization wants you to, you know, conduct business this way. You but you got to be a professional. Big picture, right? Big picture. You had to look at fitting in the picture. Exactly. And exactly. That was, that's got to be hard for players like yourself. And Minshew, and it's anybody, hard for them. Really anybody to look at the big picture and go, okay, look, if I'm just going to put myself right here in that picture here, they want to put me all over the place. It's really a bigger canvas here. And they see me part of that. Why would I take myself out of that? That has to be a come to Jesus conversation personally for yourself because Garner Mitchell, look at him. He's he he had to go at least, you know, let him know, look, I want to play. Yeah, I get and I it. know you want to play, bro. And they're like this, because he's he's still young. I was old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's like 26, old. right? Something like that. Right. Yeah. You know, he's a young, I mean, he's, he's a, a young, young player. You know, yeah. and he and 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 you know, at the end of the day, man, he's young enough that he should be playing somewhere. But right now. He's not going to get the opportunity here. And and uh, 
as good as the organization let him know that. They didn't sugarcoat it. And that's another one of the intangibles that, that, that Nick Sirianni has with the players, the players like. Keep it 100 with me. Keep it 100. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. Keep it 100. I mean, you can lose a team so fast by lying, man. That's what happened with me in Detroit. Bobby Ross had lied to so many guys and didn't fulfill promises that he was supposed to fulfill that, when, you know, it was um, halfway through the season. He actually quit halfway through the season on us. See, you can lie, you can lie to college room. kids, but you can't yeah. lie to pros. No, no, no. He had lied. So <laughs> he came in the next day, man. Like, well, first of all, we were on the field. We were about to play Green Bay. I think it was Green Bay. So we're on the field, and it's a foot of snow. And we're out there practicing because we're going to play outside. And, uh, you know, he, he, you know, guys are jumping off sides, you know, foot of snow on the ground. You know, I mean, guys walking to the, you know, to, to the huddle. You know, they, they were just totally out of it, man. And he and he's calling up. He starts calling. Now, he's a little bitty dude, so he's jumping. Oh, yeah, in I, I played for coach at Maryland, yeah. Yeah, see, calling up. Guys, come on. Get in there. Come over here. Come over here. So he gets that. He breaks it down. He says, he starts crying. I give my heart and soul to you guys. And Herman Moore and Robert Porche started laughing. Not like, but like, <laughs> bro, he actually fainted. Fell face first into the snow. Boom. He did. I'm serious, man. He did. The coach did. And, and uh, you know, this coach is in Moeller, the locker room. No, no. This is outside on the field. He's They're laughing at him like that. He fainted and fell down the face force to the ground. And, you know, and Coach Mueller grabbed him and pulled him up. And he's like, hey, God, God, just go in. Just go in. Just go in. Just go in. So, guys, when we were walking in, Herman Moore turns around and says, hey, Coach, does that mean we ain't got to go to meetings also? <laughs> man, Bobby Ross' head fell down like this. The next day, we come. He said, guys, I don't know when I did it, but I lost the team. I lost you guys. He, and, and Robert Ford said, yeah, you did, Coach. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Just like that. In front of wow. Everybody was quiet. Well, I'm retired. He said, well, I'm I'm, 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 I'm retiring now. I, I, I can't. I got some health issues I got to take care of. I'm retiring. And he quit. Just quit. He quit. Coach Mueller, yeah, Mueller became the uh, the head coach for the, for the remainder of the season. Man, that – that hey, Robert, I was in Detroit. Robert Prochet's first season when they drafted him, and um, Coach Fonts was there, and they brought him in. I really like him. Hey, also, I got to tell you a crying story in the NFL. My cousin told me. My cousin Dave Pizzuli played for the uh, Browns. Backed up Bob Gullick was on the drive for Nelway and all this. So these guys are in there. You know Bubba Baker, right? Yeah, Al Bubba yep. Baker. Yeah, yeah, Bubba, I know. Yep, right? yep. Okay. Bubba Baker. Yeah. So these guys are like in the locker room. This is the um, AFC Championship game. It's the drive game. Marty Schottenheimer comes rolling out. Guys, I'm your fucking general. I love every one of you guys. I can't tell you. I just love you guys. I can't. I, this is the bear. I'm going to lead you into battle. Let's go out and get these guys. He's crying like this. The AFC Championship game. He goes, I'm your general. Bubba Baker looks over at my cousin and goes, I don't know about you, man, but I don't know if I want my general crying going into battle. (laughs) 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 I don't know if I want my general crying going into battle here, man. 
<laughs> Speaking of battles, man, this game, you think this is going to be a battle, Washington and oh, absolutely. this weekend? Absolutely. You know, because number one, I think Nick gets a little hard-headed and, and is going to come out trying to do what he did before, throwing a ball until he gets his mind right, you know what I'm saying, and, and gets back to running the ball. This is not a good um, – this is not a good offense. But the defensive side of the ball, are, they're damn good. They're really good. The only player that they're they missing right the now. They had guys back this weekend. Right, but see, they didn't really have – they had the COVID guys uh, on the defensive side of the ball back. Yes. You know, with the, with the exception of Mayo. Yeah. Yep, Mayo's yep. back now, but they didn't have Mayo. That was the only guy really that was a starter that was an impact player on the defensive side of the ball. And the Eagles did well against their offensive line, moved those guys around. Yep. They ran the ball consistently. And when they wanted to run the ball. Now, offensively, everybody's talking about this Tyler. Dude, I wasn't worried about it. He could have played the last game they played, and I still wouldn't have thought it would make a difference. He's a turnover machine. Yeah. That offense is not a good enough offense to, to make a major impact as long as the Eagles run the ball, keep him off the field. They, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll blow this team out, but they can't go out thinking that this team is just going to give up. They want to be spoilers, and that's what the that's what the, the that's exactly what they're talking about up, up the turnpike. We want to be well, down the turnpike. We want to spoil all of this. We want to be spoilers. We want to make sure that uh, we play better, you know. Not how about this? Was 95. This is what I have here, okay? I'm, I'm going to show people how people think at the end of the year. Honey, what's that number to Hertz? Okay, <laughs> uh, let's get to U-Haul. What's that number to U-Haul? Oh, hang on. I'm not going to send it yet, okay? I'm not I'm, I'm not going to make the reservation yet. We got, two, we got two left here. And now we're going to find out. I got 60 minutes of football left. At the end of this game, if we lose this game, I want you to hit the U-Haul, and I want you to make sure that the U-Haul people have a reservation for that. We can pack the U-Haul up and get the hell wherever we're going. Right. <laughs> this is a U-Haul game. And what I mean by a U-Haul game, for those listening, they're going to put everything they have into this game because get this. I say this to people before. Fighting for a playoff job? Screw that. I'm fighting for 2022 now if I'm one of them dudes on that Washington team, man, because I want one of them 53 chairs that's in that locker room. And me going around, farting around, and getting blown off the ball, not playing, not lining up right, pre-snap penalties, jumping off sides, all that shit, man. That's the fastest way that you'll not have an invitation back for 2022. And in a chaotic franchise like that, the only thing keeping that thing above ground is Ron Rivera, in my opinion. So yep. with that thing on the sideline they had, with that fight and all that stuff going on, Ron probably walks in, he goes, do I really have to say anything to you guys? Yes. Now at seven and eight, you still have an outside opportunity at maybe doing something different here. You got your asses kicked in the last two games. You're going to get a chance at Ali Frazier two. So you get a chance to go back and maybe get some redemption and maybe get some saving of face here. This is on you guys. See, I love, and I don't know how you feel, but I love guys that played the game because you really don't have to say much to guys. Hey, guys, do I really have to give you a Newt Rockney speech at the NFL? Your <laughs> Rockney speech is every Tuesday on direct deposit. Right. I don't need right. to motivate you. Like you right. said, your wife goes, hey, you better get here. You know what? Hey, man, I don't <laughs> want to hear any crying. Am I right with that philosophy? Bruh, they're, they're, I mean? they're not only auditioning for that one team, uh, the, the Washington football team. That's they're right. also auditioning for 31 other teams. This is audition. Guys want to I – mean, Coach is going to be looking at all right. You know, oh, he he's still out there playing. He's just still out there giving him his all. You know, and and that's what they're going to be working towards. So this is not going to be a cakewalk 
it's just a bad roster on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball, they got some all-world guys over there. But the offensive side of the ball, that's where the Eagles are going to make their hay. That's where they got to go out there and establish dominance. You know, that's where they got to do it, man. They got to go out there and alleviate all doubt that Tyler Haneke should not be on the same field as them. You know what I'm saying? That defense has to take control of the game. Offensively, the Eagles must control the line of scrimmage. Those two guys up front, Payne and Allen, they're the real deal. And Sweat came back. He was just back from one game. Now he's he's gonna be this is gonna be his third game. So third he's gonna have a pass Young's out. Yeah, he chased Young's out. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's just one horse. That one horse right there is, is an unbelievable player. But hey, Sweat, I mean, yeah, he, he, no. he's 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 been back. This will be his third game being back. So all those pass rush moves that he had had before, he's got him back in his repertoire now. He's in a little better shape than he was three games ago. You know what hey, I mean? Barrett, I was I was telling I was talking to people like this yesterday, and I know that you're you'll probably start laughing. I go, hey man, you know, you see like a dead animal on the side of the road. Run it over, kill it. <laughs> don't let it, don't let it live. Kill it. Okay. You put it out of its misery. The 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 Washington team has it, it it's on a respirator right now. Don't let it recover. Don't let it have hope that it could live. You've got to kill this thing because when you kill it, they're going to want to wave the white flag as quick as they possibly can. How many times late in a year do you see a team, once they get a little hope, like don't spot them 10 points. No, no, no. Man, you keep the team alive when you do that. Just get it over with, you know, and and that's – they, that's what their their sole purpose is. They want to be spoilers, especially you know since they won the last game last year. They want to be spoilers. They want to go out there and alleviate any doubt of of the Eagles getting into the playoffs. You know I what I'm saying? They win this. Play, they win this game. They're in the playoffs. Oh, I know. I get it. I get it. You're 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 dead on here. A lot of teams battling in the NFC. And speaking of that, I want to give you the top ten teams in the NFL and tell me if you agree or disagree here. We'll take a look at the NFC playoff race, too. And the Eagles are sitting in the seven hole right now. Big Seal sitting in for Harry Mays. Barrett Brooks having a lot of fun ping-ponging it back and forth. You keep it here on the middle. This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The city of Philadelphia sparkles during the Christmas holiday season with an array of colorful light displays and illuminated Christmas trees. Donated or installed for free, 
by the talented electricians of IBEW Local 98. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities at IBEW Local 98, visit us at www.ibew98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back to Middle Dan Cilio with Gary Brooks. By the way, hit that like button too for us here too, man. Um, I think FedEx Field is going to be inundated with Eagle fans. Am I right when I say that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they been, the Washington football team fans. They probably packed it in, man. They I'm packed ask it in. The, you the team toughest question that you've ever been asked. What's that? Should I put him on the spot? Make it happen, man. Let it roll. Who's got the better fan base, the Steelers or Eagles? Oh, that is tough. That is very <laughs> tough. It's, <laughs> it, it, you know, let's see. It depends. Big Steelers, it depends. Like, Steeler fans, they love you regardless, good, bad, or indifferent. If you lose a game, they'll say, hey, you know, guys, you know, you know, you guys fought to the end, you know, that, yeah, that, that. they'll be like that. Eagles fans will be like, look, man. We paying your salaries, bro. We filling that stadium before you. You got to give us a better product. But as far as out now, just rabid fans, good, bad, or indifferent. The birds, man, they just you know they 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 they're at a higher level as far as you know intensity. Like they intensely go back and they all get NFL Game Pass because they all go back and watch the film. And if you said something that wasn't right, oh, they gonna let you know that you said it wasn't right, man. Just like you know, angry Al. Forget you, angry Al. You know, oh, it's down ninety-five South. Yeah, man, I, you knew what I was saying, man. Don't, 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 you know, don't patronize me. Get out of here, angry. Get out of here. I've been battling this dude for years, man. Even when I was at ninety-seven, man, angry Al's always been a thorn in my ass, man. But yeah, I know it's ninety-five you, South, man. man. Ninety-five South, bro. Like he calling you out, man. Yeah, man. But they will call you out, man. They watch film, bro. I'm telling. You, they watch film. These fans are vested in making sure, you know, that they know as much as they can about these Eagles teams, man. They do. You know, I I, I look at it and what I've learned 
you know, I used to cover the team from 30,000 feet. Now I'm looking them in the face here. This is my impression. And, and I think I told you this. So like my, my, my wife, who's been like my producer, she's been with me in my broadcasting career. I think I've been on the air, like some like 30 years or whatever now since I left the league. And I'm, and she goes, I think you found a home. And I go like this. I go, what do you, what do you mean? I found a home. She goes, Hey, you get to talk to assholes like you all day. And I'm going like, <laughs> what's that supposed to mean? She goes, well, I mean, you, you, you found a home, man, these people. And I go, I'll tell you one thing about Eagle fan, man. You show up to work, you scrape the ice off your windshield, you dig the snow around your car, you put your work in, you come home, you don't complain, you perform, and you don't bitch, they'll revere you. Exactly. You start doing things out of the character of the city, bitching about a backup quarterback. Right. Bitching about not somebody saying something to you, crying to the media. Nobody wants to hear that in that city. And like, you're right with Pittsburgh. I'll say this, like you said, Pittsburgh's got a sportsmanship about themselves at the end of the game yep. where they're going to love you if you're six and 10 or you're 10 and six. Exactly. You end up six and 10 in Philly. They're going to run your ass out of town. Well, and because, because they, they, they can hate you as much as they can love you. And when they hate you, it's like they, you, sometimes man, me and my, me and my brother, like my brother's a diehard Cleveland fan. And and we'll fight about this to this day. It, it didn't matter, dog. That, like you know, he wouldn't even front, man. I was playing for the Steelers. I played there four years, and all we say four years, all eight games that I played against his his Cleveland Browns, and he was rooting against me. <laughs> How do you root against blood, man? <laughs> My brother Philip rooted against me, man. So he is out and out just just a just a, a Browns fan. You know what I'm saying? And I do the same thing. I, I'm I'm gonna have his daughter wearing Eagles gear. I'm, a, you know, what I'm saying he ain't gonna do nothing about it. He can't do anything about it. She gonna work. She gonna rock the Eagles gear, or the Steelers gear. You know, well, I don't know if I can, I can pass with the Steelers. He might, he might try to fight me then. So I might not give him the Steelers gear, but I'm gonna give her some Eagles gear, man. You know what I mean? But that's just, you know, just these fans up here are just passionate about their Eagles football, man. They, and like I said, they gonna watch film, man. They gonna watch watch film. It's it's funny, you know. Here, watch this. It'll be something like this. Hey, they won the game. But did you see that the way that third series was? Yeah. Holy cow, man. I mean, what were they doing the way that they were running? They only won the damn game 14 to 10. I mean, And I'm like, Hoss, this isn't like college football. This is not like Miss America. I don't care if you win a game three to two. No one's going to remember. They're just going to remember that you're 12 and five. That's all they know, man. That's all they care about. No, 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 man. You see, we won the game 14 to 10. I got a cow with the way that we – I'm like, are you bitching about method? Instead yes. of result, <laughs> it's, just, it's just so much more to that. I want to throw some numbers at you here about J with Jalen. How do you feel about these numbers here? If he end by the way, an alternate to the Pro Bowl, which means this, he's probably going because you know this: Brady and Aaron Rodgers are not are going. not going to be in that game. Yes, they're going to be in, in championship game one of the two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, one of us going to be in Hawaii or Italy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They ain't going to be in this game. So Jalen's probably going to get a chance to make it to this ball game. Here would be what he's trending to. 3,125, 17 touchdowns, 10 picks. you like to see this number up in completion percentage, 61.1. QBR, this is a first-year starter too, by the way. It's better than Josh Allen's numbers. 87 quarterback rating, um, 850 yards rushing, 53 yards of carry, and 10 touchdowns. So he's going to be responsible. For that offense, 
for about 30 touchdowns, north probably of 30 touchdowns. How do you feel about, again, maybe it's what we were just talking about, Barrett. Maybe it's not the traditional drop back, but we're finding new ways on moving the sticks nowadays in the NFL. And maybe that's just something that we all have to get accustomed to the same way the front office has to get accustomed to it. That if you want to win ball games, this is almost like Steve, Steve McNairish yep. on how he moved the sticks too. Am I right when I say this? Yep. You're absolutely right. You know, it's about W's, not necessarily statistics of an individual. You know, you have quarterbacks that have won, you know, Trent Delfer, um, Brad Johnson, yeah. won Super Bowls. Joe Flacco. In, yeah, Joe Flacco, in spite of who they are and what they bring to the table. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's good to have a manager in, in, in at the quarterback position. But I don't see Jalen as a manager because of his ability to go out there and make plays with his feet, man, and make plays in an offense. You know, it's hard because people understand it's, all, it's hard to go out there and stop a player like Jalen because you can't play man-to-man with him. If you play man-to-man, you turn your backs. He has the ability to go run. If you just pay, you know, if, if you don't, if you play zone and you don't bring that man in a box, they can run the ball on you all day. And he's still um, a, a guy that you have to put in that number count. The best ability that, you know, that quarterbacks that can run give is they give you that one extra player that can, you know, put you in a number count that a defense has to account for. Now the fullback or running, now the running back could be a blocker. So usually when a defense is, is playing against an offense, they're playing against 10 people because all the quarterbacks are going to do either pass it or he's going to hand it off. But Jalen has to be put in that number count because he now he has to defend all 11 guys as opposed to just defending 10 guys. And it's hard for defenses to really go out there because you have to play assignment correct. It's almost like playing option football then because option football, um, you have one guy that's going to tackle the fullback or the running back. Yeah, one guy that's going to tackle the quarterback, and one guy's going to tackle the running back that they're going to option to. It's the same way with Jalen. You know, you got to have somebody go out and literally tackle the running back just in case he hands it off on the read option at the mesh point. But then you also have to look at the fact that he can take it and throw it. So you got to have your, your uh, pass um, coverage responsibilities also. And then the third thing, if he decides to run, this kid squats 600, 700 pounds. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just a quarterback back there that's not strong. He's a strong quarterback, one of the strongest in the league. He lifts with offensive linemen. So he'll put it on you. So, you know, that's a different dynamic than most quarterbacks, even those running quarterbacks. Murray, he's a little guy. He's not as strong as Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts squats over 600 pounds. He benches over 300, almost 400 pounds. You know, this is a strong kid. You know, so he's not the average guy. You know, he's built like a running back but can throw the ball, can run a team, and lead a team. That's a test we don't really talk about. His team is bought into him being the guy. So if they've bought into it, how come upper management can't buy into it? Oh, I, I, absolutely here. I want to I I move you over here to this. Who's done the best coaching job this year? Before we get to the top ten, who, who's done the best coaching job this year? Brian Flores with the Dolphins. First time that a team has had a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game winning streak. <laughs> that is crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Mike Vrabel and the job that he's done after week eight without Derrick Henry, they're right. sitting in, I think, like the two-hole, a three-hole in the AFC. Yep. Or Sirianni and what he's done by winning six of the last eight games. Two games left. Obviously, I think this thing is going to be nip and tuck here. And I also think that Belichick could be in the conversation 
with a rookie quarterback too up in New England. But I think what the Bills did last week knocked them down a peg. Of those three guys that I mentioned, Brian Flores, Nick Sirianni, and Mike Vrabel, who do you think's done a better coaching job between those three guys? Wow, that's tough, man. That's real tough, man. Cause, you know, because you know Vrabel, you know he has the most dynamic running game and, and instant impact player. You know, being down and having to coach past that, that's tough. But I, I you know, Nick, you know, taking his team and taking on an identity that he didn't necessarily want to take and had to take, and they didn't want him to take. That's huge. But to go, you know, 0-7 and, and, you know, seven seven weeks ago, I was thinking, you know, this this might be a top five pick that the Eagles yeah. have for the, for the Miami Dolphins right now. To now, you know, winning seven straight games. I don't care who quarterback or what team. In, seven straight games in the NFL. Crazy. That's a lot, man. That's, that's, that's unbelievable to, to lose seven and then win seven. So I have to go with Flores, man. He's changed how you look at that Dolphins team. You know, you know what I'm looking at them. They're contenders. You know, you you thought that the Bills were going to take it at the beginning of the year, and then halfway through the year, Belichick and his his, his New England team, you thought they were going to take it. Well, now I'm thinking, look, they might take the division. You know what I mean? So that's how dynamic that change and that flip flop has become. You know, he's done a hell of a job down. Have there you changed your opinion on Tua? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. He he's he's show he's very capable. Yeah, of being I have too. You know, I I, I still think that Jalen is a better quarterback yep. than he is. Mm-hmm. But I think that he has done enough that you know, hey, the organization is starting to back him a little bit. They're behind him, you know, a lot more than than they were. I mean, that had to be a terrible situation, man. I, I've been a part of that before. I've I've had you know them go out and get guys like you know. Uh, Draft a guy to come take my position, and 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 and, and you know I had to fight him off. You know, brought in Steve Wallace from the 49ers. I fought him off, and they end up cutting him. And you know, at the end of training camp, because I played money better becomes than he did. a factor at your position. Yeah, with that, you know all that crap. But you know, he has fought off the likes of not just you know non-believers in his organization, but you know also you know the fans that that really wanted um Houston's quarterback to go there. You know, he's yeah, he fought, fought off, off that whole that whole Deshaun Watson conversation, and that was huge. He that kept was his huge. poise. That that tells me a lot about a kid too that keeps his poise like that, Barrett. Where you yep. know you got a guy that keeps his poise, and hey, what did he do after the trading deadline? That football team has gone on to do some really great things. You Absolutely. Know, that led me to like uh, we had a conversation about Sirianni and how the team looks so much better past the middle of the season. And, and I said this, can you imagine going to work at a new place? Same kind of company. But can you imagine walking into a new place? You don't know your boss very well. You don't know the personnel very well. You don't know if, you know, you got a whole new terminology and for all your salespeople to follow. There's a different style of how you're going to win compared to what the previous guy had. You imagine how bumpy and anybody who's ever had a job, you know you just can't go into your seamless transition next job and think you're just going to have the same results that you did (laughs) at the previous joint. Maybe that's why those first eight weeks were a little bumpy for Nick was because, again, there's nobody on the planet who's ever gone through one job to another job with a seamless transition where there's been no bumps or speed bumps in the way to get there. Now you're looking at it over the last eight. They won six of the last eight. People are feeling themselves. I mean, I think it's been a quick turnaround and a quick transition. That's a quick transition. Do you not agree where all of a sudden you didn't know what the hell to expect to now where everybody understands what's being asked of them? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That's huge, man. You know, you, I mean, it, it's it's such an unforgiving league, man. Very oh, unforgiving, it, man. It's this much. I mean, so so you call what, what, like Alex Gibb had a different terminology for zone and man blocking than say that a Hudson Hawk had. Exactly. And, exactly. And, and you're going like, so you want me to do what? Go flat on my step? <laughs> what, what, what are we talking about here? What? What? Okay, wait a minute. Wide nine? What the hell is a wide right. nine? I have no idea what you're talking about. Wide nine? You want me to tilt on the nose? Okay, on what front? Yeah, we're going to do a 52 front. You know, Buddy Ryan's uh, yeah. I've never played it. Exactly. You know, you, you're asking, I was just telling you, all right, we're going to run counter tray here. And like, counter tray? And then you go somewhere like, you know, we have Mouse. Mouse is, you know, he's a um, he's an offensive line coach, one of the best offensive lines coach ever. Now you're going to be duck walking. So you go from counter trade to duck walking, then you go to, you know, uh, uh, you know Bill Callahan, where he he runs, you know, he want he wanted to run with Alex Gibbs, run with the cutting and and, and reverse shoulder blocks and all this type of stuff. They outlaw. It, it's crazy how many different ways in which you can skin a cat, man. And then you're asking this kid to come in as a coach and be like, yo, hey, you do it this way. My way works. And you got an old veteran like, you know. Oh, uh, I don't know now, you know. Yeah. You know, let me, let me, you know, what I've been doing has got me cup Pro Bowls and everything else. So, man, it's hard being a coach, man, but Flores has done a hell of a job, and yeah. Sirianni's done an even better job also, man. So Yeah, absolutely. You know, let me it's, get it's, you it's to tough, the 10. Man. Let me get you here. I, I got the Eagles at 14. You tell me if they're – remember something. Top seven go to the postseason. So it, it's a postseason team when I say 14. Yep. I get the Patriots at 10 at 9 and 6. I get the Bengals. Hey, how about the Bengals, man? Under the age of 25, you have a quarterback, two wide receivers, and a running back. The two receivers are 1,000-yard catch guys. <laughs> Your running back is a 1,000-yard rusher. Your quarterback is over like 4,500 passing yards, and you're under the age of 25. This is Cincinnati. Oh, it, 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 oh, it kills me. It, it pains me, but Cincinnati are legit. <laughs> Dude, Cincinnati has a bright future there, man. They're a frightening team. Guy throws for 525, fourth biggest total in NFL history last week. I know it's against a Ravens team that's beat up, but holy shit, man. They got the Bills at 9-6. and six. I want to see the Bills be more consistent. I don't believe in their run game still. I think Josh Allen's awesome. They need to get a running back instead of a bunch of running backs. Yeah, you can't have Josh Allen being your lead back, man. Right. I mean, I got the Colts at 9-6. and six. Oh, By the way, did you see the NFL change their uh, COVID? It's no longer 10-day um, quarantine. It's five days now. <laughs> five days. Hey, if you we don't gotta get these that. suckers back. Hey, man, if you don't think Wentz is playing on Sunday, you're high. That guy's playing exactly. Sunday, man. Okay. I got the Titans at 6, at 10, and 5, and supposedly they're getting Derrick Henry back. Hey, you want to hear a freaky stat? Going into last week's game with three games remaining, you know that Derrick Henry was fifth in the NFL in rushing still? What? Missing eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he missed eight weeks, Barrett. He was still fifth. And if I'm an old lineman, I look over at my over at my bosses going, hey, you know, there's a bonus in on that now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we're in the top five, top ten in rushing, you know, uh, there's a bonus in there somewhere. Yes, man. sir. So they may get him back for the opening round of the playoffs. That would make that team frightening. I got the Bucks at 11 and four. I think Leonard Fournette will be healthy by the postseason. I think that's going to be a tough one there. The Cowboys. 
What do you think of the Cowboys? I got them at four at eleven and four. What do you make of them? Legit. Really? I I, I, I honestly I honestly think um they're the second best team right now. Huh. Um, second best team in the league. I got them number two. Okay, you got them number. Two. I got the Rams at three at eleven and four. My problem with the Rams, you can run on them. Yep. Yep. Okay. You can't pass it, but you can run. They yeah, can run. but you can run on them. I got. The, how about this too? And I think it started with the Eagle game. I got the Chiefs sitting there at the two hole. I think it's because, and it's not because of Mahomes' play. I think it's because of Chris Jones and that defense and what they've been able to do in stopping the run and being able to play a little bit better. Honey Badger's been great for that team, and can, there's Kansas City sitting there at eleven and four, and I got the <laughs> Packers at twelve and three. Hey, by the way. Russell Douglas, dude. They let him go with the Eagles. Dude, they cut that guy? Yes, they cut him. And he started for him like for half his half his career he started. Hoss, that guy has been the difference on that team. <laughs> right. They said because he ran a 4-5-40, he wasn't good enough. He's big, yeah, well, Jerry he's Rice ran a 4-7 at the Combine, so right. take that for what it is. <laughs> exactly. Sewell has went out there and changed his whole career. In fact, there's so many guys that lead the Eagles that, that go out to Sidney Jones with um, you know, he goes out to Seattle. He's balling now. But Rasul Douglas has changed that whole defense by himself, man. man. By himself. You, you, you know what Gary said? Gary said that Schwartz had such a a boxed offense, a boxed defense that yes. he didn't allow him to roam. And what they're doing in Green Bay. They're allowing him like Diggs in in uh, Dallas to do. You know, you're gonna get some. You're gonna get some big plays thrown on him, but you're also gonna get big plays going the other way on exactly. him. Exactly. If you just let that guy play a little bit more, you don't want freelancing. But what you want is to be able to have a guy use his athletic. They used to do that with Dion. Yeah. Dion. I mean. His speed. He used to goat people into trying to throw the ball over there because of his great speed, and he would. He, he he would bait you into it. That's kind of what these two dudes do here. And you Diggs know, you is a four or five guy also. Diggs is a four or five guy. They said he wasn't fast enough to play corner in the league. And there he is, has eleven. He has a letter. Is it eleven? I think it's something like that. Yeah. I mean, Rasul, man, Rasul, and he just didn't fit with the Eagles as far as you know what Swartz wanted. The Swartz wanted to run that picket fence defense. You know, I mean, he played guys off too far. Rasul is one of those guys. He's a big corner. So he want to, you know, kind of stab you and then run with you. He didn't want you to just get scot free off the line, and that's what they're allowing Rasul to do. Rasul can use his 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 athleticism, but more so his length. Both of those guys are tall, linky guys that may not be fast, but they can run well in space. They can move their hips. They can stab you, run with you. You know, what I'm saying interrupt your your um your your you know you're getting off the ball and your speed, and it, it interrupts what the quarterback sees. If you allow them to do that, man, they are big time picks, man. Big time. How about man. this? So you think the Cowboys are going to the uh, Super Bowl? I, you know what? I, right now, looking between the two of them, if I line both of them up right now, I really think that they would beat uh, the the Packers, and uh, and only because that defense, that defense could put put um, it would put a rod. In the sorts, man. You know he couldn't just go out there and pick them apart. You know they have too many too too many dynamic players on the defensive side of the ball for them to do that. And then offensively, I don't know if um, Green Bay could stop that running game. You know both guys are healthy now. Zeke and Pollard are healthy now. 
So that just makes it, you know, that just makes a huge difference on how you stop them. That's why I mean, and I, and I hate that man. I, I know Angry Al. I'm, I'm <laughs> giving the finger, but yeah, man, it, it, they're they're complete team. They're a complete team, man. And, and you know, even though their quarterback is just a little bit above average, their offense, the way they run it, it would make it. They got three big time receivers, man. Those three receivers can match up against anybody in the league, man, and take them deep. So that's why I think that they're just they're just the most complete team right now. I, I think I think Rogers is the MVP though. Oh, there's no question about that. There's no question about that. He is he's he's him and the chemistry he has with his receivers is is unbelievable, man. Hey Barrett, he, let this sink in. He's played 17 years. He's got 443 touchdowns. And get this, he hasn't thrown a hundred picks. <laughs> That's crazy. He's got 90 like six picks in 17 years. Unbelievable. Just let that set in. <laughs> I mean, and he rode the bench for like three years behind. I know, uh, man. I far. that that touchdown to interception ratio is some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen. By the way, thank you, man. I've got to tell you guys, Phil Sims will be with me later on for the National Football Show. So gotta log in. Yeah, gotta get my boy on just to talk about Jalen and brother. It's been awesome once again. This Definitely thing flew again, by, man. didn't it? It did, man. But hey. This is our last show of this week. Um, oh, yes. You know, we're going to re-air this, of course. But uh, everybody have a happy new year, a great new year, and we'll see everybody on Monday. You got it, man. Thanks a lot for checking Appreciate in. Appreciate it, Seals. Thanks you a lot, got- This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on Facebook to help those who've served. Have a happy holiday.